property laundromat owner watching and listening has uh, found plenty of things in the drain valve, <laughs> you know, from <laughs> screwdrivers to nails to uh, bra underwires to all kinds of stuff that gets through there. So, you know, while I think we're very sympathetic to uh, environmental issues, we simply feel that there really isn't a filtration solution for this application in commercial laundry that's, that's available now. This is the Planet Laundry Podcast. I'm your host and the editor of Planet Laundry Magazine, Bob Neiman. Today, I'm joined by Coin Laundry Association President and CEO, Brian Wallace. Hey, Brian, thanks for jumping on the podcast today. Yeah, good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. Oh, always. It's always a pleasure. You know, and I, I think now's a good time because I think there's some laundromat owners who may not realize that a big part of the CLA's uh, mission and a good portion of your time is spent dealing with legislation and government regulations. And I guess, in essence, um, advocating on behalf of the industry uh, with regard to these pending bills and laws that could prove harmful uh, to the laundry business down the road. And I know that there's, again, there's been a lot of activity lately. So I thought now would be a great time to bring you on and bring our listeners up to speed. Yeah, that sounds good, Bob. I mean, you know, that's really a big part of why industries have trade associations, right, is to pull people together that have a common business interest and use that strength in numbers to not just push the industry forward, but, you know, to take that defensive posture when necessary to make sure that, uh, you know, legislation, regulation that may come down the line uh, isn't in a position to, you know, cause harm to the industry. And uh, that's been a big part, as you said, about what Coin Laundry Association has been about for many years. And, you know, I think probably the whole high profile uh, example was uh, just a few years ago with COVID and the work that we did around uh, the essential business designation for the laundromat industry. But the fact of the matter is, is the type of thing that we're working on each and every day. Absolutely. Uh, well, I've got a bit of a list here. And uh, the first sure. item that I'd like to discuss is, is a bill in the uh, California Assembly that would uh, essentially mandate the installation of microfiber filters on all new washing machines in that state by 2029, I believe. So correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, microfibers are the tiny synthetic fibers shed from clothing during washing. And, and this bill aims to reduce the quantity of these microfibers ending up in our oceans and waterways by filtering them out during the washing process or immediately after the wash process. However, many believe that this bill is going too far and maybe too soon. So what are you hearing? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, another one of the environmental issues that I think we're going to be facing more and more of uh, as an industry that certainly plays an important role as consumers, I, I would argue very efficient consumers of, of resources, including water. One clarification I'll make is that uh, the bill would call for all new washers sold into California carry this uh, filtration system starting in, in 2029. But the, the point uh, is right on where a 100 micron filter on the back of a washing machine in a laundromat environment would uh, be very problematic. Everything from clogged filters to uh, leaks to uh, overspill. You know, I don't know what would happen to the drain time. You know, most of our washers are looking to drain in a matter of seconds. You're not going through uh, a filter process and we, you know, every laundromat owner watching and listening has uh, found plenty of things in the drain valve, <laughs> you know, from <laughs> screwdrivers to nails to uh, bra underwires to all kinds of stuff that gets through there. So, 
you know, while I think we're very sympathetic to uh, environmental issues, we simply feel that there really isn't a filtration solution for this application in commercial laundry that's that's available now. Uh, we see a lot of operational issues that would come from this, let alone the cost uh, impact, uh, not just on our members, but of course, eventually the end users, the families that use our laundromats each and every week. So uh, we see a lot of challenges here. And I'll be honest, it's looking pretty difficult right now. It seems poised to pass out of the assembly uh, here momentarily and, and, and head over to the Senate. So Coin Laundry Association is engaging lobbyist help. Uh, we're in contact with other associations and other groups that have, a, have an interest, uh, up to including AHAM, which is the uh, home appliance uh, manufacturing group. So you know, we have these partnerships and these coalitions that we've developed over the years, and we're going to do everything we can to try to educate legislators on the impact that a uh, microfiber filtration requirement would have on our industry. And, you know, as, as you alluded to earlier, Bob, it just seems to me to make a lot more sense to address this either upstream uh, with the garment and textile manufacturers that have sort of adopted, you know, new fabrics that do tend to shed uh, these microfibers or downstream from the laundromat uh, at the uh, municipal wastewater facility. It, it seems odd to sort of place this responsibility at the laundromat uh, where we are you know, basically making ourselves available on a self-service basis. And we don't frankly have a whole lot of control what our uh, clients are washing on a day-to-day -day basis. So stay tuned here. I, I imagine we'll have updates perhaps on a weekly basis. And uh, 2029 sounds like a long way away. And for many listeners, California may seem uh, <laughs> far away, but you know, things have a, a way of uh, starting in California and, and making their way east. So we're going to be very intently monitoring this and doing what we can to protect our interests. Right, right. Certainly an, uh, an interesting, uh, interesting topic. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll stay tuned, as you say. Another thing that I know you and, and the CLA have been and working on very closely with is working with the New Jersey Department of Labor recently, I guess, to help that agency share compliance information to ensure the uh, the fair treatment of uh, a laundromat attendants and employees. And, and I know that this action stems from a widespread investigation of uh, New Jersey laundromats by the DOL. Can you bring us up to speed on, on what's happening here and what the CLA is doing and, and helping out and just what's going on in New Jersey? Yeah, no, this is one that's uh, definitely should be on everyone's radar, whether you're in New yeah. Jersey or not. Yeah, so back in uh, November, uh, the New Jersey DOL, Department of Labor, announced a strategic enforcement initiative that really went after compliance in two industries, the laundromat business and the construction industry. And they did that, as you alluded to, based on some of their investigations that's, that found a high level of noncompliance. And that's everything from misclassification, meaning you know, trading employees as independent contractors, paying cash, paying off the books, failure to pay overtime, failure to uh, track and pay earned sick leave. So basically, a lot of the wage and hour issues that that come up. And, you know, when faced with this, obviously, we don't like our industry being targeted, but I also couldn't argue with what uh, their investigation had reflected. And so we immediately pivoted to uh, a stance of trying to educate, you know, and trying to disseminate the information. I think that our members who do things the right way uh, want to be on a level playing field, especially if they've got competitors that may not be adhering to uh, the law. And so uh, we did a couple of things in response. One, I've, I've taken a number of meetings up to the commissioner 
level at New Jersey DOL to talk about our industry, talk about what our goals are to be in compliance across the industry. We have set up a landing page at our website, coinlaundry.org, that has all the compliance information, all the resources that New Jersey operators would need to review to make sure that they're in compliance. And again, most of these will apply in just about every state. And then just last week, we co-hosted a webinar with the state of New Jersey to communicate that information and let people know what's going on. So uh, yes, if you're a laundromat owner in New Jersey, you're very likely to be paid a visit by the Department of Labor, and they're going to be looking at whether or not you're complying with wage and hour uh, laws and some of the other things that uh, are there to protect workers. And we've made it very clear that we think that laundromat owners ought to be following the law and we ought to be doing what we're required to do uh, to protect uh, laundromat workers uh, who really make our business possible. So for those that may be in that region, you know, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, Connecticut, uh, we also understand that uh, New Jersey is part of a multi-state task force that is looking at this issue. And so if you ever needed a reason beyond simply following the law and taking care of your employees, please be mindful and uh, get within compliance. And if you're not sure how to do that, uh, reach out to the Department of Labor or reach out to us and we'll be very happy to share that information and make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do for our workers. Absolutely. The workers are so important and uh, great uh, great information. And certainly they can reach out to CLA uh, if there are any questions. But yeah, certainly an important issue for all laundry owners, not just in New Jersey, but but nationwide, as you say. Let's keep it on the East Coast for a little bit. I know that some lawmakers in the state of uh, New York are calling for bans on natural gas service in new commercial construction, including laundromats. Where does this legislation stand at the moment? Do you have any updates? Yeah, I mean, so obviously this is a broader issue. Everybody's Mm -hmm. read in the general media about access to natural gas in the future and the whole issue of climate and, and fossil fuel use. We certainly have seen a lot of that that chatter going on in, on, on a multi-state basis. And there are a number of municipalities around the country that have uh, put a moratorium on new building construction uh, being serviced with, with natural gas. Uh, with most recently in New York, that bill did pass, but there is an exemption for laundromats. Uh, there's a carve-out okay. for laundromats. So I think that that's something that is worth noting, and uh, we'll certainly use that as a illustration for other states that may be considering that type of legislation is what often happens on issues like this. There's sort of a a pendulum effect. We've got a number of states now that are passing laws that prohibit the ban on uh, natural gas hookups. And so we're going to have this kind of bifurcation among different states in terms of how they're going to handle this. But Certainly as an industry, we need to be wary of uh, what's happening in terms of availability of natural gas uh, for new construction and also make sure that we have an eye toward the future, knowing that we're going to have to be uh, innovating as an industry over the long term to make sure that we can keep up with trends in utilities and the availability of the resources that we need to wash clothes and and dry clothes in the future. So uh, with respect to New York, There is a carve-out for laundromats, so that's something to bear in mind. Okay, very good. Well, while we're on the topic of natural gas, we all know that prices spiked dramatically earlier this year, especially on the West Coast. It seems as though this issue has settled down somewhat since then, 
But what are you hearing uh, from uh, from laundry owners across the country on on their natural gas prices, and where does CLA stand on this? Yeah, well, I mean, it's always been a, a high high priority for us to keep our eye on natural gas, as we alluded to earlier, not just the availability of it, but of course the cost uh, that has such an impact on our cost of operation. So we've always really taken a close look at it, and we have gone through a very long period of uh, fairly low natural gas prices, and. These were just, you know, I don't have to give you the uh, economist answer. There are a lot of factors that went into uh, the market uh, for natural gas going up. And it was, turned out to be more of a momentary spike, uh, certainly higher than it's been historically. But we did have a couple of those months that were excruciating, uh, particularly for some of our members uh, out in California. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at the futures market, those are things that have settled down. Uh, what we did uh, is that we held a special meeting in, in Southern California we brought out a ton of laundromat owners and we provided some education on what's going on uh, at that time. It's back in, in uh, January, I believe. And it's also worth noting that CLA, among its uh, uh, business solutions, we work with Forward Energy. Uh, you know Chris Ward, who's just a dynamite guy. And uh, basically, we have an, an on-staff resource who helps our members around the country uh, buy uh, electricity and natural gas at the best possible rates. We have a lot of deregulated markets. And one of the things that we learned in California, Bob, that I think is worth noting is that a lot of our uh, members in California were not on, on contracts. And uh, I get it. You want to get the lowest of the lows. You want to kind of ride the market price. That's kind of the mentality of a lot of our members. But the flip side of that is that when it does uh, double or triple, as it did in most cases in, in California, uh, you end up paying the highs of the highs. So I guess it right. depends on your risk tolerance. But I'm pretty tight. I mean, I'd rather kind of take that variable cost for natural gas, get on a contract, make it a fixed cost, and just understand that I can sort of better predict uh, what those are going to be. So anyone who's uh, interested in just having someone take a no obligation look at uh, what you're spending on uh, gas and electricity, uh, go to the CLA website, look up our business solution with Forward Energy, get a hold of Chris, and he'll do a full top to bottom review. And I always tell people, the worst you can find out is that you're a genius. You've negotiated the best possible <laughs> rates and there's not a single thing we can do for you. On the other hand, we might be able to find uh, ways that you can uh, better optimize that part of your uh, bottom line. Right, right. Great advice. And uh, yeah, utilities have uh, always will be a huge issue uh, for laundry owners, as will um, sales tax. That's always been a, a major issue, uh, and it's, 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 it's a major focus of the CLA's uh, advocacy for the laundromat industry. So I'd like to jump into that a little bit because I know that recently there's been some sales tax activity or rumblings in a number of states, including, I believe, Alaska, Indiana, and Wyoming. What's the latest uh, on that as far as sales yeah, tax in those maybe, states and maybe maybe some others, Brian? Yeah, I mean, we could add uh, Nebraska, a couple other states that have that have uh, toyed with it. But yes, this is our number one, I think without question, has always been our number one legislative uh, priority. There are only three states that have sales tax where that tax uh, is to be collected at the laundromat. And so the others have exemptions that uh, we've had a big role in uh, fighting to either put in place or protect and that comes up from time to time. We look at the calendar, we're having this conversation as we're coming up on mid-June. So most of the legislative sessions around the country are drawing to a close with the exception of special sessions that may be called on different issues. Uh, but we don't think that there's anything that's really imminent. Um, Alaska is one that we're keeping an eye on. And uh, 
there may be something that we see that would be introduced at a, at a following session. A lot of states like Indiana are taking a look at the future and doing some study groups. Uh, it's worth mentioning with all of this, Bob, is that one of, the, one of the strategies that we use here is that we have a full-time legislative monitoring service. You know, so we've got someone almost like a search engine that's watching every bill in every state, every day, every piece of regulation, and is feeding us back with uh, issues that may impact our industry. And so that's how these things get on our radar. And then we also have a kind of an ad hoc relationship with them where we do need to put a lobbyist on. We're able to do that on a state by state and issue by issue basis, which is really an efficient way uh, financially and otherwise to make sure that we're representing the interest. So sales tax, simply put, Bob, we don't think that laundromat customers, uh, based on the service that we're providing, uh, their demographic background ought to be uh, paying sales tax. And from a business owner perspective, we think it's a real burden to collect that, especially when we have uh, vended transactions. So we always have lots of resources on sales tax at our website. We've got our talking points. We've got other issues. And certainly anyone out there that hears any rumblings in your state, uh, pick up the phone. Don't assume that we know about it. And uh, we're, we, we are, that's one thing that we're very good at is jumping in on sales tax. Right, right. Certainly have uh, your ear to the ground throughout the country on that issue. So uh, very good and good information. A couple more, Brian, because I know you're busy and I appreciate the time today. Recently, I know the Department of Energy proposed new efficiency standards for residential washers. And it's important to stress that for now, uh, these standards would apply only to residential washing machines. However, I mean, you know that these standards can tend to have a slippery slope. Could commercial equipment at some point be impacted down the road? And, and how could this type of oversight maybe impact the, uh, the laundromat industry in the future? Well, certainly, you know, on a historical basis, it's been primarily the small chassis equipment uh, washers that have been impacted by the DOE. It, it tends not to cover the larger front load machines, at least not at the DOE level or Energy Star you might be familiar with. So, so yeah, we found is that, you know, especially those that, uh, again, in those small, smaller load machines uh, from the manufacturers uh, often have a dual role, right? They're, uh, they're sort of a residential or domestic uh, version of that machine and then also a, a commercial version of that machine. So as those water and energy factors continue to get squeezed uh, through the DOE, naturally it could have an impact. And, and those that uh, use those types of washers uh, at their laundromat have certainly seen lots of design changes and, and other adjustments that have made been made to that equipment so it can, uh, in fact, meet these standards. So these uh, new standards have not been passed. As I talked to the folks that are experts on the uh, domestic washer side, they told me that these are would be uh, significant reductions in what's allowed in, in terms of water and energy to, to run those machines. So we'll keep an eye on it. And we do know that there is a bit of a spillover effect between what happens uh, with residential washers and what shows up uh, particularly the small chassis washers uh, at the laundromat. Perfect. Great. Great. Last one for you, Brian. This is another uh, one that's been around forever, uh, it seems like, but uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's, uh, it's, it's a law that's been on the books uh, for decades now, as have, unfortunately, the frivolous lawsuits aimed at uh, taking advantage of the ADA for financial gain. And often the targets of these lawsuits are, are laundromat owners, as you know. So what's currently happening with the ADA? And are these lawsuits seem to be uh, popping up again in some parts of the country? Yeah, we certainly are hearing from our California store owners about a uh, sort of resurgence in, uh, I guess, what is politely called, the, you know, serial plaintiffs 
you know, that are visiting lots of businesses, not just laundromats, uh, but, you know, restaurants and other you know, places of public accommodation and, you know, filing suit for failure to meet ADA standards and requirements. And so uh, this is, you know, I, I draw a parallel to the Department of Labor discussion we had earlier. The ADA is the law. It's an important law and it, it ought to be complied with. I mean, that's not up for debate. If you have a laundromat, you need to comply. This law has been on the books uh, over 30 years. There is no such thing as being grandfathered for the ADA. And that goes across the country. This is a federal law. But what I do think we you know, have an interest in is making sure that we're being treated fairly and that um, I think most people would think that uh, lawsuit abuse or frivolous lawsuits uh, or serial plaintiffs you know, aren't, aren't good uh, for the industry uh, or any industry for that matter. So it's something that we're monitoring closely. We are talking to some uh, lobbying folks out in uh, Sacramento that have some experience on this issue to see if there's some other things that we can bring to the table. But again, it's about education and bringing your facility up to speed. You, you know, you edit it. We had an ADA uh, white paper that we published uh, a couple of years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And so you know, there are resources there are inspection programs in California, uh, CASP inspections or CAFs inspections, where you can actually have someone come in and uh, review your facility, make recommendations. And one of the benefits of going through that uh, CASP program is it does give uh, some relief when it comes to uh, being on the receiving end of a, of a lawsuit in terms of uh, having more time to remedy and having some limitation on on the liability. It's also worth noting that there is some uh, legislation in, in progress that would also, again, provide a little bit of relief uh, when it comes to at least the process of being served with a lawsuit, looking at the cost of defending it versus settling it. And we've got we just had a lot of laundromat owners that have been paying the four, five, six, eight thousand dollars to settle. But again, the, the thing I really want to underline, Bob, is at the end of the day, you have to comply. You have to follow the law. And even if you settle with one plaintiff, whether it's their first time filing a lawsuit or the thousandth they file, that settlement only covers them, right? Someone can come in the next day and file suit again and the day after that and file suit again. Uh, the bottom line is we have an obligation by the law uh, to make our facilities accessible and uh, that's really the bottom line here. But when it comes to abuse, that's something where we do feel like we need to jump in and we'll have some more updates on that in the near future. Right. No, absolutely. Uh, compliance is uh, the key. Great information, Brian. Hey, that was everything I had on my list. We covered a lot of ground. Love to give you the parting shot. Anything else that listeners, uh, viewers uh, should should know about uh, what's happening uh, in the world of regulation, legislation, yeah, well, lawmaking? I think just a couple of quick thank yous, uh, Bob. Thank you because uh, you and I work very closely together on the research uh, on these issues. Yeah, we're 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 a relatively small association. We don't have a government affairs staff. We do that on kind of a DIY basis. And I appreciate all your, your support on that. I want to thank all of our members through the whole chain, the manufacturers, distributors, and store owners, because it's your dues and your support that help us uh, do this work. And lastly, anyone who's uh, maybe left the association over, over time or has been considering joining the association, you know, I would argue that this is perhaps the best reason to join. Add your voice. Your dollars do help support this. And uh, as you well know, it's not just dollars uh, that, that support this effort. We're often doing grassroots efforts, asking our members to uh, get a hold of legislators. And so 
The thing I'll leave us all with is sometimes as a small business owner, you don't think that you make a difference. But I would say that the thing that's helped us the most, at least in my 30 years, is our members who have made the effort to introduce themselves to their local legislators, invited them down to the laundromat for a cup of coffee, making sure that they're aware of our industry. Because more more often than not, Bob, these are issues where we're not being uh, singled out or or you know attacked as an industry. It's a simple matter of lack of information. If we get an opportunity to educate regulators, educate legislators, we usually find that those things go our way. And so each and every store owner uh, has a role to play in that. And um, again, I'm not talking about stroking a big check or being a big donor. I mean, you can do that if you want, but you know, just make sure that your legislators know you, uh, know about the business and can really come in handy when we've got an issue we need to attack as an industry. Great advice, Brian, and a great place to leave it right there. Thank you so much. Very helpful. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at planetlaundry.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube.